Welcome. We're so glad you're joining us for a Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to encourage you to check out a word in season podcast.org. That's a word in season podcast.org. Be sure to download a free 30 day devotional. We have compiled over a hundred of our episodes here at a word in season into an incredible 30 day devotional as our gift to you. You may also want to scroll down on a word in season podcast.org and find our transforming leadership series. We have guys like American Ninja Warrior champion Daniel Gill sharing about the way of a warrior. We have Gordon Robertson talking about those landmark moments that determine spiritual impact. We have Lou Engle, an intercessor for revival and the co-founder of The Call, and many other friends of Doug Stringer and the Somebody Cares Network on these incredible transforming leadership calls. So I encourage you to check those out while you're at a word and season podcast.org. Now let's lean in and listen today. The Lord said through the prophet Joel, behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil. That's Joel 2:19. The book of Joel was written during a time of national crisis to bring hope to God's people with the promise that he was about to do a new thing. When we're going through something, we only see the circumstances that we're going through. But God is saying here to look past the circumstances because He has already given the promise of what He's going to do. And that's where I believe we are today. In October of 2019, while I was speaking at our Somebody Cares International Global Summit, I said there are some significant things that will be happening in the coming season. We're coming into a new season, not just a new year. And we're coming into a new era. What is about to happen is going to require new wineskins to contain what God is about to do with the new wine. Suddenly, we are into 2020, and everything that could be shaken was shaken, and we literally needed to scramble as the church to find new wineskins, new ways of doing things to contain what was happening. For our vats to be full of new wine and oil, the old has to be emptied out. We have to let go of the old nature, the old ways, to have the new things God has in store for us. We must let go even of the good so we can have that which is better. When God begins to pour out His Spirit upon us, often He begins to shake up our lives so that the things that can be shaken fall away and the things that cannot be shaken are left standing. He also begins to fill us with a new perception of things, a new way of thinking, a new attitude, and new character. God took the children of Israel out of Egypt, but before they could enter the Promised Land, He had to take Egypt out of them. When we go through the wilderness experiences of life, God deals with the sins of Egypt that still reside in our hearts. I've often thought about this. If Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father by Him, then He's the way out of our world. He's the way out of our past. He's the way out of our Egypt, so to speak. He's the truth in the wilderness at Mount Sinai, and He's the promise in the promised land. He's the life in the promised land. This process is always challenging and difficult, but when it's complete, He's able to pour out His Spirit because He can trust us to be the vessels that He can fill with the fresh anointing of His power. We can become those new wineskins that He can fill with the new wine. James 4.8 says, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Likewise, Hebrews 10, and 23 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, 
having your hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast that confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. I remember years ago taking a philosophy logic class at Western Washington University. The first thing we learned was the hypothesis of if this, then that. We see this over and over in Scripture as God says, If you will do this, then that will be the blessing. Or, if you do that, then you will not have the blessing, so to speak. You see, God is the true philosopher of all things, the only one who brings order to the entropy of the universe, because He is a creator of the heavens and the earth. Now, obviously, when I say that God is the true philosopher of all, I'm not saying that philosophy in any way circumvents or usurps God's authority. God is the authority of all things seen and unseen. When I was in high school, I was asked to write a paper on what is humanism. Now, my perspective was a little bit different and my take was different because I believe that you can't understand what humanism is, which is the study of man, without first studying about God, who is the creator of man. So God says, draw near to me. See, if we do that, he tells us we'll not lose heart even when the outward man is perishing. We see that in 2 Corinthians 4.16. Our circumstances might be difficult at times, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So we see that God is promising us that we can find hope in Him when we draw near to Him. You see, when we're in the presence of God, no matter how difficult things may be, and we get caught up in worship Things just don't seem to matter as much as in the moment of our difficulty. God is calling us to draw near to Him because in His presence, He gives us hope beyond our circumstances. His Word is true, and He will take us through whatever we may be going through. God has been transforming us into His image since the day we asked Jesus into our lives. He wants the old nature crucified so we can fulfill His purposes upon the earth. The Apostle Paul encourages us and says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. John 12.24 says, A grain has to die so that the new grain can spring up. When we come to the cross of Christ, we come to a place of death, a place of dying to self. Our old nature is buried so we can rise up in newness to an abundant life in Christ. But to receive the newness God desires for us, we have to die to the past, let go of the past. I've always said, I can't change my past, but the decisions I make every day in Christ has determined my future. The wheat seed planted dies before sprouting and producing a crop. Old wineskins have to go. Old oil must be poured out so he can bless us with new oil. Behold, all things that become new is God's desire and God's design. We cannot bypass the death process. The Apostle Paul said, Therefore put to death your members which are in the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. That's Colossians 3.5. Why should we put such things to death? Because holding on to them means denying Christ's lordship in those areas of our lives. Paul goes on to warn us, The wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. That's in verse 6. Let's not be found to be disobedient children, even though we might have been in the past. And let us not merely settle for external or cosmetic righteousness. For Paul continues when he says, But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, 
malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth, Colossians 3.8. After dealing with overt sins in the previous verses, Paul emphasizes that God also wants to deal with anger and other matters of the heart. You see, the miracle of John 12.24 is not in the seed itself. It's what happens when we walk in obedience to sow seed. We also become the seed for the soil of souls. When we give our time, talent, and resources to the Lord, we're planting the seed of our own lives. And in that place, God does the miracle. When the seed of our obedience is planted into the ground and we have died to ourselves, God causes that seed to sprout again. And when it sprouts, it produces a great and mighty harvest. You see, all things become new. In the death and renewal process, first the outward sins are cleansed, and then He begins to deal with us about matters of the heart, our thoughts, attitudes, and words. We are in a spiritual battle, but it's not only against satanic principalities and powers. The battle begins in our own minds. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. That's 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6. You see, God wants to take us to an intimate place of relationship with Himself. He wants to show us His manifest presence and His glory. He wants to show us great and awesome things and use us to reach our generation. Will we become vessels into which He can pour His Spirit? Will we be vessels of honor which He can deposit His power for His purposes? God wants us to die to our flesh and embrace truth, loving it even more than life itself, because He has more for us and more to accomplish in and through us. He wants to move through us by His Spirit and bring multitudes into His kingdom. I believe He is preparing hearts even now for an outpouring of His Spirit. If the world around us is going to change, the change must begin with us. Paul says the hope of glory is Christ Jesus in us. Those of us who call upon the name of the Lord have a hope beyond any hope this world can offer. We have a strength and a joy that only God can give because Christ lives in us. Ezekiel and Revelation both speak about the river of God that flows from the throne of grace to the mercy seat of God and brings healing everywhere it goes, in and through us. We have a well we can draw from that never runs dry because it comes from the water source that never ceases. We have a peace beyond human comprehension because it comes from the shalom of God, the peace of God. These are His promises to us. When we seek God's face and cry out to Him for personal revival, He will begin to reveal our false beliefs, areas of disobedience, and bad attitudes. He removes old things and teaches us His ways. He uproots the remnants of the old nature and shows us the things that need to die. As we trust Him to do His work, transformation begins. We become ready for the new grain, the new wine, and the new oil. Let me just touch for a moment on God's blueprint with relationship, because blueprint without relationship is powerless. See, God gave Moses the blueprint for the tabernacle in the wilderness, by which the presence of God could dwell, or tabernacle, amongst the people. If others had been 
eavesdropping in their conversation and immediately ran out and built a tabernacle just according to specification, God would not anoint their efforts, regardless of the fact they built according to those exact specifications. See, He's not obligated to anoint our structures instituted by our own human wisdom and our own personal efforts. The kingdom of God is built upon relationships. Our formulas and institutional structures cannot force God to manifest His presence. Oftentimes, we create our structures and formulas thinking that somehow God must bless them, yet what we really want is for God to fit within our own box. A box or structure can either be a soapbox for God to speak from or a lid to contain Him within our own institutional systems. The difference between the two is that one is used as a platform, whereas our own structures are designed to box Him in. When we invite His presence to tabernacle amongst us, we cannot expect Him to be contained but rather be welcome to shine forth from us. God is God and we are not. In this season of global shifts, we as the body of Christ have an incredible opportunity to let the presence of God shine through us. But we must allow Him to change our old paradigms, shedding our old wineskins and human expectations. Rather, may we put our expectations in the Lord. I believe the Lord is wanting us to move into new levels of relationships, first with Him and second, with those we associate with. We must grow deeper with Christ and higher in our expectations in Christ. Remember, God is not obligated to our formulas, structures, and systems. He desires instead to dwell amongst His church using His own blueprints as a platform to facilitate His will, not ours. Are we propping up our boxes, structures, and institutions as platforms or containers? Whose kingdom are we building, His or ours? Let's help one another to grow deeper in Him, higher in our expectations in Him, and prepared for His new wine. We want to join you in prayer today. You can email prayer at somebodycares.org. You can also call or text our 24-hour Somebody Cares prayer line, 855-459-CARE. Be sure to head over to awordandseasonpodcast.org. Check out our free resources, fill out our survey, and download your free devotional. We want to say a big thank you for all those who have supported us during disaster and crisis response efforts. If you'd like to see the latest updates, visit somebodycares.org. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.